Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. show of hands. If you'd like to try that, raise your hand. Anyone here? You people are crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Alex Honnold is this guy that does this thing called free soloing. Free soloing is when you ascend a, a pitch in rock climbing without any protection whatsoever. So no rope. You saw he had no helmet. It's just a man, his shoes, a bag of chalk, and a wall. How incredible is that? And you know, the thing about Alex Honnold is not that he has physical stamina necessarily. I mean, there are a lot of climbers that have much more muscle than he has. They're much more experienced than he has. But actually, the thing that marks him as different, the ability for him to free solo these walls, is actually his tolerance for these scary situations that he puts himself in. It's his ability to control fear. In fact, neuroscientists have actually studied his brain to find out why he's so crazy, like why he would do such a silly thing. And they've actually found out that, that he, he's wired differently. He's wired to where he can control his fear. When he gets on that mountain in the, in the sudden drop, look down, overwhelmed by fear, he has the ability to control his fear. He actually said this, he said, with free soloing, obviously I know that I'm in danger, but feeling fearful while I'm up there is not helping me in any way. It's only hindering my performance, so I just set it aside and leave it be. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. You know, in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus said this, he said, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here. And it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So we're in this series, this four-week series called Mountain Moving Prayer. Uh, and if you're listening on live stream or on our podcast as well, I want to also include you in this. But we're going to be looking at uh, moving from our 40 days of prayer challenge. We're going to be looking at what it means to pray bold prayers. Bold, mountain-moving sort of prayers. And I actually want to challenge each of us, myself included during this series, to actually pray for a mountain that we need to be moved in our life. So I ask you the question, what is your mountain? What is that thing in your life that just feels impossible? It feels like this mountain is maybe crippling you with fear. You're so scared of it that you couldn't even ask for it to be moved. You couldn't imagine that it would be moved. Now, maybe it's not a literal mountain like Alex's mountain, but I feel like we each have a mountain in our lives. I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that impossible thing that you're facing right now that you just sort of look at and think, that will never happen. That mountain will never move. Because that's the thing. Is we all have these mountains in our lives, these mountains that require these big bold prayers, these kind of prayers of for the heavens to open up, for God to come down and to move our mountain, to, to clear it, to get it out of the way. Now, I don't know what kind of mountain that you have, but here are just a few. Maybe your mountain is like a relational mountain. You know, it's, it's a marriage that's unstable. It's on rocky ground. 
or maybe it's a friendship that is a bit broken. Maybe it's with family. Maybe your, your mountain is a work-related mountain. Maybe it's, maybe it's that you're out of work right now and you're looking for a job. Maybe you were laid off. Maybe it's that you've got some impossible deadline that just feels like you're never going to get over that deadline. You'll never get the work done on time. Maybe you've got a financial mountain. Maybe you're struggling, crippled by debt. Or maybe it's some other financial problem that you've got, something that's too big to overcome. There's physical mountains as well. Maybe it's a bad diagnosis that you just received or that you're struggling with continually over a long term. Maybe it's a long-term illness that you've got. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a spiritual mountain. I mean, there are so many spiritual mountains that we face. Maybe God's calling you into something new and you just don't want to do it. I've been there before. <laughs> maybe, and I don't know what your mountain is, but maybe it's just one of these things. But I encourage you in this series to find that mountain, to stare it down, and to pray a big, bold prayer. A prayer that doesn't require any sort of security blanket or protection, but completely depends on God, and not on anything you can do, but depends on what God can do, that God is going to conquer this mountain in your life. So let me ask you again, what do you have right now in your life that you're concerned about that's really big? So big that you can't handle it. You know, people often ask me, they say, you know, I've prayed and prayed and prayed that God would overcome this mountain that I've got in my life, and he's just not answered my prayer. And I always ask them when they say that, I always say, have you really prayed? Have you really prayed about this mountain? Now, I don't mean, like, has your grow group prayed about this mountain, or have you prayed once about this mountain, and then it didn't immediately get accomplished, and so you just kind of left it to the side, but I mean, have you consistently and constantly prayed that God would overcome this mountain? Now, don't misunderstand me. Like, I'm not saying here that your mountain wasn't moved because you didn't pray hard enough. That's not at all what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I mean is this, is that people usually see prayer as a last resort. They don't see it as the first thing that they should go to. You know, if you were um, with us in our evening service a couple weeks ago, you'll, you'll remember that I shared some statistics. Uh, Barna Group actually published a study that listed church leaders' priorities for their church. And there were a bunch of things that church leaders listed as a priority for their church. You know, things like, we want to be great evangelists. We want to go share the gospel. We want to make disciples who make disciples. But guess where prayer was on that list of priorities in the church? Last dead last. I'm actually shocked that it even made it on the list at all because less than 3% of them even included it on their list of church priorities. How sad is that? And I suspect that's probably most of us in the UK as well. You know, this study was conducted in the US, but I suspect that's what our churches are kind of like in the UK as well. So when a mountain rises up, if you're anything like me, I often spend more time worrying about it than I do praying about it. We spend more time in our churches worrying about a problem and more time trying to problem solve it ourselves than we do about taking it to God. So the thing is, I don't want us to be the kind of church that just prays these kind of mediocre, 
useless prayers where we pray the prayer, but then we go and try to solve it ourselves. We don't really give it to God. We don't really care. I don't want to be that kind of church. I don't want to be the kind of church where the prayers that we pray don't actually require any faith at all. I want to pray those bold, mountain-moving prayers. And maybe you're in a place today where you just think, God's not come through. He's not answered my prayer. And even if you're in the lowest place today, even if you're in that place, you can still pray a bold, mountain-moving prayer. And that prayer can simply be, God, bless me so that I can bless others, so that I can be a blessing to others. Even if you're in that place, you can still pray a mountain-moving prayer. Because I want to be the kind of church that blesses out, that cries out to God, knowing that he has authority over everything, all of our mountains. Yeah, I was thinking about this problem, this challenge that we have, and I think at the core of my, my sort of inner being, when, when I'm not really in that rhythm of praying, in that routine of praying these mountain-moving prayers to God, I think there's a couple of faulty beliefs that I've tended to go to time and time again that have gotten in the way of me being able to pray those mountain-moving prayers. And I just want to quickly go over just four of them here. So the first one is this. I kind of have believed before that maybe I've prayed and nothing's happened. So therefore, if I pray again, I'm going to get the same results, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And actually, we find ourselves of falling into this trap of thinking that God has not answered our prayers. And this couldn't be further from the truth. Because oftentimes, when we believe this, I've prayed and nothing happened, we end up then saying things like, God didn't hear me, or maybe I didn't pray hard enough. It didn't like make it through the clouds, and God just, his ears weren't opened. He, he turned away. He didn't listen. You know, I prayed, and I still didn't get that job, or I prayed, and that person still died. I prayed, and she still won't go out with me. <laughs> I prayed, I really did. And nothing happened. And that can make prayer, especially mountain-moving prayer, really difficult. The second is this. Maybe you're new here. This is your first time exploring faith. And actually, you just don't know if you believe in prayer at all. Fair enough. Maybe you're new to this. You're checking, you're checking out who God is. You're, you're new here at Ivy. And the whole idea of prayer seems so mysterious, a relationship with someone that we can't see. I get where you're at. And maybe deep down, we don't really believe that God has the power to do anything. And that makes prayer difficult as well. Third is this, maybe we believe that God has actually more important things than our mountains. Maybe we think, my mountain is really not not as big as a big God, why would he care about my mountain, no matter how small it may seem to us? You know, in a world where there's war, there's famine, there's hunger, there's poverty, God has bigger prayers to answer than our own. Maybe we believe that. But then finally, we might believe this, mountain-moving prayer isn't something that will happen to me. You know, even if I do pray, and even if God hears, I've heard it happen in my friend's life. I've heard it happen to that family member. 
but I've, I don't think it's going to happen for me. God's not going to answer my prayer. He would never answer my prayer. Maybe we believe that. You know, there are lots of reasons why we don't pray. But actually today, I want to challenge each one of us, myself included, to actually move beyond these excuses. All of these are faulty excuses that we believe and actually challenge us that instead, our God is a mountain-moving God, right? He's a mountain-moving God. Do you believe that with me, right? Yes. Right, amen. Amen. You know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus solves this mountain-moving problem, and he solves it in a little boy's life, and I want to look at that today, because I think that'll, this will challenge us to, to sort of rethink some of these faulty beliefs that we might have. So I'm going to show it up here on the screen, and I'd like for us to read it together. And it comes from Matthew chapter 17, and it's, uh, it's verses 14 to 20. says this, at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. And a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. It sounds like it's a really heartfelt prayer, a prayer that, that his son, a father's son would be healed that he wouldn't suffer from these seizures. And actually, we, we get some context here that this man had tried just about everything. He had even brought him to the disciples and they weren't even able to heal him. Nothing could fix the problem. And so Jesus asks for this boy to be brought to him and he immediately recognizes that there's some kind of evil at work in the situation. There was this sort of evil being. There was this demon who was holding the boy captive. <clears throat> and I don't believe that in this story, which is, is clearly there's some, some demons behind, I don't believe that in every situation there's a demon behind every illness or there's a demon behind every mountain. But I know for sure that spiritual powers can actually discourage us. They can crush our spirit. But Jesus solves the problem, because listen to this. He says right after that, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. See, Jesus sees this for what it was and he immediately moves the mountain in the boy's life and he's healed. The mountain's crushed. But the disciples are left confused. And actually, Jesus' words here might sound pretty harsh, right? You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? But actually, Jesus is saying that they don't really have faith to believe that God could really heal this boy. So when, when Jesus calls them corrupt, what he's really calling out is this disbelief that they have in God's power. He's calling out that they've been corrupted by believing that God, who is over every mountain, can't really solve this mountain. They'd forgotten that God is a God who had come and answered their prayers time and time before, time and time again. You know, there's this tradition in Israel where they would stack stones every single time God did something. And, and those stones would be a memorial for, throughout the generations so that their children could look at the stones and remember that God had answered a prayer before. And he had answered another prayer and another prayer and another prayer. And they would stack these stones one on top of the other. 
And the disciples had forgotten that. They had forgotten that God answers prayers and that he would come through before, he'd come through before and that he would come through again. Where are you not believing that God's gonna come through for you in your mountain moving prayer? Where do you doubt that God won't answer your prayer, that God won't move your mountain? Because he will. Jesus makes it clear here. He will. And actually, if we read on, we see in verse 17 or 19 that afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And immediately, rather than celebrating this miracle that had happened, Instead of cheering it on, instead of, instead of saying, wow, let's throw a big party, the disciples say, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do that? They had completely ignored the miracle that had just been done in front of them. And instead they asked, why did our prayer not work? Maybe a question we've asked ourselves before. And I can imagine this sort of internal struggle that they were facing of, of knowing that Jesus had given them authority to cast out demons, that they could have very well solved this problem for this father and this son. But instead, we're left wondering, why couldn't we do it this time? And I think what they've slipped into here is they slipped into a sort of false belief that actually God had given them the power to do miracles, and so they no longer needed God. I don't think they would have said that, but I think that that's probably the sort of faulty thinking that they had here. And so as a result, when they were praying for the boy, they weren't trusting in God's strength. They were trusting in their own ability. Because actually, we don't have the power to answer our mountain-moving prayer. Right? There is nothing that you can do. Just to, I'll take the load off of you right now. There's nothing you can do to move your mountain. It's going to be God. God's the one who's got the power to move your mountain. And it's not some like gift of magic that the disciples had the authority to cast out demons. It's not some gift of magic, but it's, it's that they were putting their faith, their trust in God, who has the power. Only God can answer our prayers. So when you pray, what are you putting your faith in? You're putting your faith in the fact that you can pray and then sort it out on your own by working really hard and putting in a lot of effort. Or are you putting your faith in a God who has the power to move your mountain. Jesus responds to their question, verse 20. You don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So Jesus says if we have faith, we can move mountains. And he's not talking about some just giant-sized, overly confident sort of faith. The kind of faith Jesus is talking about here is faith that's as small as a mustard seed. I just throw up a, a picture of a mustard seed here in case we haven't seen it before. So if you squint, that's the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about mountain-sized faith for mountain-moving prayers. He's talking about faith that is as small as a mustard seed. Faith is powerful, not because it has anything to do with us, but because we put our faith in a mountain-moving God. It's not positive thinking. It's not, it's not wishful thinking. It's not hopeful thinking. It's trust. It's confidence 
that God has the power to move our mountain, that he can do even the seemingly impossible things in our our lives. So God works through our faith. And when we trust him, it takes a load off our shoulders that he's the one who moves the mountain. So how can we build our faith? You know, actually, the Bible makes it really clear that one of the things that we can do to move our faith is to fast, right? So actually, if we read this, this story um, written by another one of, of Jesus' disciples, Mark, same story, but written from Mark's point of view, it actually says at the end that Jesus said that the demon and the boy could only be driven out by prayer and fasting. So it's his account. Jesus had actually said prayer and fasting, so this is why I actually want to encourage you, and in a, in a minute, we're going to have some time to respond, and our response is going to be identifying that mountain in our life that we're praying for, but I want to encourage you in this series as well to be fasting. You know, we're in this period of Lent, which leads up to Easter, and traditionally, that's a period in the church, a time for fasting, and I want to encourage you to fast as well. Now, most people could easily go like a day or two without food, but I'm not a GP, and I hope the GPs don't kill me in here for saying this, but if you doubt it, I'd encourage you to actually go and talk to your GP, and I think they might even tell you that a fast for a day or two is even a healthy thing that you can do. And I want to challenge you to fast, to move the hand of God, and I want to challenge you to pick one thing, to think about and identify a mountain that's in your life, and to start fasting for it and praying for it now. You know, my grow group is taking this challenge and they've decided for 40 days that we're going to do a fast. I was a bit reluctant at the beginning, to be honest with you, because I thought at first that they were saying that we were going to fast for 40 days straight. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think my faith is, is bigger than the mustard seed there. But you know what? They actually said, we're just going to take it in turns. And so one of us is going to fast every single day during these 40, period, 40 days. And I'd encourage you to be alongside your grow groups doing the same sort of stuff, to be fasting and praying and petition for your mountain to be moved. And I actually, I love this this idea of when we fast, we're teaching ourselves dependence on God, that we don't rely on the things of the world. And I don't know what you'll choose to fast from. Maybe it won't be food. Maybe you'll choose to do a, a social media fast. Or maybe you'll choose to to do a Netflix fast. I know that could help some of us, (laughs) myself included. Fasting teaches us dependence on God. It teaches us that when the world says, take everything in excess, which it does, that instead we choose to do stuff in moderation so that we can spend that time focusing on God in prayer and in fasting. So I encourage you to do this in your grow groups. You know, if you're not in a grow group, then I would say you need to be in a grow group. These are small uh, midweek communities that meet every single week. And if you're not in one, after this, go and find someone on the welcome team. They're wearing these bright blue shirts, say Ivy Church on them, and sign up to a group. Get in one of these groups because I found when you're praying together for a mountain-moving prayer, we see powerful things happen. I've already heard testimonies over the last couple of weeks and in our 40 Days of Prayer series. I've heard testimonies of grow group leaders coming to me and saying, we have seen prayers answered that have not been answered and we've been praying for them for years. Incredible stuff. 
mountain-moving kinds of prayers are being answered. So I just want to move into a time of response today and to challenge you to put aside those faulty beliefs and instead believe that as you find this mountain-moving prayer that you're praying to God, and I think a lot of us by now probably have identified that. We already know and are thinking about that mountain-moving prayer in our lives. And I want to challenge us to be putting our faith not in, not in our own ability, but putting our faith in a mountain-moving God. To have no fear of climbing on that mountain, scaling it, having faith, even as small as a mustard seed, and trusting that God will answer our prayers. What is your mountain-moving prayer? And are you putting your faith in a mountain-moving God? Let's just pray. Father, we, uh, we come to you today, maybe some of us not exactly knowing if you are a God who, who even hears our prayers or who answers them. And Father, I pray that if there's one thing that can happen, that you would just open up heaven and, and reveal yourself to each of us this week. Show us that you're a God that's a mountain-moving God that cares about even our mountain. And it doesn't matter how big your mountain may be, whether it's a molehill, a plateau, or an Everest-sized mountain. Father, I just pray that we would see miracles happen through this series, that we would see mountains that have not been moved for months, that have not been moved, seems like, for years, that get moved, that get completely trampled over, that get completely flattened out, Father, I pray that we would learn to put our faith in you. Amen. So I want to respond by just giving you a moment as the band starts to play. I just want to give you a moment to think about what is that mountain moving prayer. And here's the thing. I want to pray for this with you. In fact, the whole staff team wants to pray for this with you at Ivy. And so we've created these cards. We've had them around since the beginning of the year. But it says on the front, praise report, prayer request. And I don't know if maybe you're thinking, I don't really want to share my name with this mountain moving prayer. Maybe you are thinking that. And that's okay. Feel free to write it down and just not put your name on it. But actually, if you could put your name on it, that would be great. Because then this week, we can pray for you by name for your mountain moving prayer. And we'll pray alongside you, pray with you. So I've written mine on here. I'd like to encourage you to do the same. And I think what we'll have is welcome team will be on the sides and at the front. And if you would, as you complete that during the worship, just come up and leave that with us. And I wanna share testimony because I believe that God's a mountain moving God. He's, he's gonna answer our mountain moving prayers. And so as we see these get answered, we're gonna share it with each other throughout this series and throughout the year. So I just want to encourage you to do that. And I just wanna to leave us with this. James chapter five says this, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you will be healed. 
the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall and none fell for three and a half years. What a mountain moving prayer. And then he prayed again and the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Another mountain moving prayer. So what's your mountain moving prayer? Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.